I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is our nerdiest thing. Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to Our Nerdiest Thing. Today, we are discussing Wreck the Halls by Tessa Bailey. This is part two of our discussion, (laughs) chapter 17. Just because you went to London, you went to London and got fancy. Uh, Discussion. Oh, man, that was rough. You go to Belgium for one day. Uh, Literally, less than 24 hours. (laughs) Chapters 17 through 33. But before we get into it... In all of our fancy glory. Hmm, that sounds dirty. <laughs> In a weird way. Your fancy glory hole? <laughs> oh my gosh, now I'm having a hot flash because I'm all flustered. <laughs> Let's just talk about the cocktail, Deb. <laughs> I mean, you said glory hole, you said cock, you yeah. said... I said glory. <laughs> you said discussion. Okay. <laughs> Tonight's nerdiest cocktail is named Christmas Eve Kiss. And it's themed after happily ever afters because they do have a happily ever after. This drink pairs well with reuniting a band, stopping a blackmailer and true love's kiss. And it might cause an entire city to help you hunt down your soulmate. Oh, I love that. That is really sweet. It's got uh, vodka, amaretto, orange juice, cranberry juice, fresh cranberries, orange peel, all that good stuff. It's all very, very stuff. Christmassy. It is very Christmassy. And I would say be careful. I think this drink will knock you on your ass. So <laughs> let's blame that for my discussion. <laughs> discussion. She has had two sips, you guys. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> Before we go any further, let's do our nerdy and dirty recap. Mindy, whose turn is it? The Wheel of Names says that it's my turn. Yay! Ha ha. I like how every week it's not my turn. I'm like, hey, I know, we, right? ce- we celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Thanks for making the uh, cocktail that's majorly strong on the week that I have to do this. You're, you're <laughs> it's going to be fun. Is this going to be one of those episodes where Whitney is texting the producer going, just fix it. Just fix it. <laughs> Please it might help. be. <laughs> All right. I've got your one minute on the clock. Ready, set, and Number one, Beat and Melody arrive at her mom's commune to an odd scene involving neighbors dressed as Santas, and Melody manages to land herself in jail with her mom. Melody and her mom clear the air a little bit, but Trina refuses to do the reunion. Beat bails them out, and Trina throws a party. Melody and Beat sing rattle the cage to the party guests, and then have mind-blowing sex. One bed trope, yes! And then Melody asks for space, boo. Beat leaves a party and shows up at Melody's bocce ball game with a whole cheering section, and they make up, get cozy, quote, only as friends, and then head out for an epic snowball fight. Snowball fight. That didn't sound right. They go back to Melody's apartment and have all the sex. Beat finishes Yay. for real. Finally, for real. The le- the two lovebirds go on the Today Show and surprise, Beat's biological douchebag Fletcher Carr tries to steal the show. Beat freaks out and upsets Melody by breaking up with her because he thinks he's protecting her. Melody's mom shows up on her doorstep and they have an actual heart to heart. Aww. The cat's out of the bag, so Octavia and Trina decide to bury the hatchet for the sake of revenge on Fletcher and maybe for their kids too. Melody anger bangs Beat in an elevator and then she breaks it off. Steel Birds has a reunion concert the mom's fault tell Fletcher to fuck off and Melody realizes she needs beat and runs to him beat proposes the end <laughs> yay Mindy, Mindy gives us 10 paragraphs 
I you did al- it. I almost made it. I think if I hadn't have fucked up on that one line, I would have been okay. Fight. Yeah, the snowfall. Fall. Give us, no, give good. us number ten again. So number ten was Steelbirds has their reunion concert. The moms tell Fletcher to fuck off. Melody realizes she needs beat and runs to him. Beat proposes the end. Yay! A lot happened in these chapters. For real it was though. it was yeah. especially the last like few chapters. It was a lot. I cut out a lot. I did really. I don't know if you did it like this on purpose or just speeding through, but I really enjoyed that Fletcher is Beat's biological douchebag. Douche <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I had forgotten what the biological douchebag's name was, so I'm glad that you said his name. <laughs> that helps me now with our. I'm really our interested discussion. to hear. Did you all fan cast him for this episode? Oh, shoot, I did. I didn't even <laughs> think about. Well, maybe that. you can think about it while oh, yeah, we're recording tonight. But I, I want to. I'm interested to see who. You all said. I'm very excited well, about this. We all know how good I am at fan casting. <laughs> <so>. At vibes. <laughs> Mindy, will you please do our nerdiest vocabulary? I would love to because I'm super excited about this week. I didn't think that I was going to be able to find anything that was going to be worth anything for vocab. But I decided to look into the names Melody and Beat because they are musical terms, right? They so are. Yes. And so <laughs> Melody... It comes from the Greek melos, that means song, duh, right? Um, But a melody is actually defined as a sequence of single notes that are musically pleasing to the listener. It's part of the song that is the most memorable. So remember that, because I have something to bring that all back around. One time, Whitney tried to explain the difference between melody and harmony to me, (laughs) and I still don't understand. (laughs) I still don't get it. Well, I don't go into harmony, but... (laughs) We'll save that for a bonus Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't even know if I would know how to explain that, to be honest like, with aren't you. Aren't those the same thing? <laughs> no, I know they're not the same thing, but yeah, they're, it's, it's, it's nuanced. Taylor so, Ash, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> so the name Beat, which you wouldn't think would actually be a name, but there actually is a German name that's spelled like that, but it's pronounced Beat. 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 Yeah, it probably does sound more like that. <laughs> Which means blessed or happy or bringer of joy. And it's nice. I know, right? So in music, the beat is the basic unit of rhythm, which is the underlying steady pulse of the song, right? So beats are often used to boom, boom, boom. Thank you, Whitney. (laughs) Keep going. Can you do the melody now? Well, not at the same time. I did it. Oh, Lord. Yay. Oh, my God. My glasses are fogging. See, now you're having a hot flash. I am. I am. (laughs) Beats are often used to create anticipation or tension in a song. And that, I think, is appropriate for someone who likes to be edged. Ooh. Nice connection. I do do find it ironic that this is his name, considering his biological douchebag was the drummer. (laughs) The drummer oh, being yeah. the band member who defines the beat for the rest of the group. I had not even thought about that. Wait, let me let me blow your minds a little bit more. And when he stops <laughs> beating, they break up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh goodness! <laughs> so not only are these clever names for a musical themed couple who are meant to be together because the melody and the beat go together with the harmony somehow. <laughs> I don't know who the harmony is supposed to be in this. <laughs> Isn't that a line from Hamilton? That's a white shoes, Deborah. That's it's like a we'll beat. Save that for pucking around. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. We'll put the harmony in, in, and out sometimes. So not only, 
for the music theme couple, these are great names, right? In my opinion, they represent what the other sees in them. So the beat often steadies Melody, calming her when she needs it just by being present. And Melody brings joy and pleasure to beat. She's the most memorable thing to him. That is very accurate. Mind blown, Tessa right? Tessa Bailey, I like that a lot. you're so deep. I know. Yeah. It's more than just a cutesy, like, well, it's music. Yeah. Like, it well, is because deeper. honestly, who names their kid Beat? If he wasn't famous, he definitely got a, called a, Beat the Meat when a, he was a kid. A stoner rock and roll chick. That's who names her kid Beat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, but there's, there's. Maybe it's short mm. for like Beatimus or <laughs> Buteford or something like that. That is an interesting point, though, that his biological dad was the drummer. Like, I never, yeah. ever considered that until you said it. That's, that's a little diabolical. A almost, little bit, you know? yeah. Like, Oh no, no one can find this out. But, but let, let me, me name him after yeah. the drum beat. That's kind of weird. Yeah. So let's get started talking about our favorite moment from the second half of the book. My favorite moment was when Melody gave a big old fuck you to her mom and like gets up and belts out the Steelbird song with beat. Yeah. I just love that one when they get up. First of all, she jumps up on the on the whatever it was they're jumped up on like a trunk or something or a table and he's like yeah she did a box jump and i thought that was so cute <laughs> well and then he's like next the gym membership and she's like no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then also that whole lead up where she basically tells her mom she's hiding behind her anger in her homestead yeah yeah that's yeah i liked that scene a lot too dad what was yours I really loved it whenever Beat arrives at the bocce ball tournament in pink body paint yeah. and then starts hyperventilating when Vance says that he will marry Mel if, if, <laughs> oh, yeah. if Beat doesn't. And I love it not only because does Vance, of course, have pink paint lying around his apartment, obviously. <laughs> I wonder that too. <laughs> but then they have to walk through the streets of New York to get to Mel's game, yeah. which I think is just super duper cute. And I like picture Beat like all tall and buff with just hot pink with an M on his <laughs> chest yeah. and people are like well sure sure <laughs> do you all follow as the, you do in new york do you follow the what is new york instagram page yes. yeah yeah I've like this that. would be on there this, for sure yeah it wouldn't Definitely. be it wouldn't be that weird right <laughs> it would not comparatively um that was one of mine too the bocce ball i wrote down bocce ball body paint um which is kind of a tongue twister but i also loved the scene where they played the footage of the two of them meeting when they were 16 that like oh, we yeah. saw a little bit at the beginning from melody's point of view but then we get to see what happened when she walked away right yeah. and from beat's point of view a little bit too that I was love the that. sweetest that was really he was really like cute. i just met melody for the I first know. time oh. that was so cute i loved that so much i'm a sucker for these kinds of scenes I right am like too. meant to be it was love at first sight it's always been you <laughs> don't you know it's always been you like i love it I will. I eat it up. <laughs> I'm staring at you because I'm dead inside. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> that was my least favorite scene. Do you want to hear about my least favorite part? <laughs> was it that scene? No, no, no. My least favorite part is when the blackmailer douchebag baby daddy comes on the Today Show and Beat literally just drops Melody like she's a bad habit. I know. Doesn't say anything to her, and I fucking hate the miscommunication trope yeah. i hate it and i absolutely despise any character that makes decisions for their love interest based on what they think is best for that person yeah i i, I really dislike that i do like though that melody 
doesn't come running back to him when he realizes how much he's fucked up. And she takes her time and she comes back when she's ready. When she's ready yeah. to come right. back. And yeah. I, I, I like that he respected her space. And she said, you know what? There is going to be a time for us. It's not going to be today. Yeah. And I think it's like a week or something like that. But right. um, it, it's just, I, I, I'm like, dude, she already told you not to do that to her. Mm-hmm. And you just mm-hmm. did it again. Yeah. Yep. And you fucking broke her heart. And you yep. were just going to propose to her. Yeah. Right. He pissed me off pretty bad. That was my least favorite too, but I wrote it down as third act breakup. Third act breakup. Boo. Right. That's what <laughs> All I wrote All the down. tropes, yeah. I just, I hate, the, yeah, you call it miscommunication and it basically is, right? But that third act breakup, I just like, ugh. There are a couple of authors that I really like that do it well, I feel like, but this, I don't know. I just felt like you, you've already told her that you're being blackmailed at this point. Right? right. Like he had already told her that. Right. I don't understand why he couldn't have just told her. I mean, you know what I mean? To like, play devil's advocate a little bit. He was totally blindsided by that. Don't, like, don't, it, be don't take up for him. <laughs> God, I agree with you all. I think it's stupid. I hate miscommunication, but trying to see it from his point of view, I'm not yeah. saying it was correct. I'm saying that it, uh, from his point of view, he was blindsided by this. Like I know me with my anxiety. I'd be like, Oh fuck. What the f- fuck am I yeah. supposed to do with this and then like two days later i'd be like this is what i should have said so yeah. you know and he in his mind he's trying to protect her which again and i get ugh. i get that but like I, I mean that's that's the only way i can look at it just if you kind of put yourself in his shoes but i don't i'm not saying it's it's good or right i mean right. I st- it's still frustrating yeah because that also was one of my i had two least favorite <laughs> moments shocker i know right <laughs> After the Today Show, when he's being threatened by Fletcher or whatever, and he's trying to protect Melanie, and the really thing that bothered me about it was his dismissal hurts her, and she thinks it's her fault. That's what pisses me off about it. Yes. Because she automatically goes to, oh, he's not, she doesn't go think about, like, what the hell's wrong with him? She says, what the hell's wrong with me? And I really, it bothers me that women do this. Yep. Um, Yeah, because she does blame it on, well, I called him. I like outed us as a couple basically. And he must not have wanted right. me to do that. And it's very much like, no, he's being weird. You should think about why he's being, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's not about you. Yeah. But yeah, no, I would, I would do that though. I would too. In her like, position, that's the thing. I would and do it just the exact same thing. Like, why, why do we do this to ourselves as women? I mean, I know not everybody does, oh, but patriarchy, Mindy. I know. <laughs> Smash it. But my other, my other least favorite moment is, and you all may disagree with me with this, but in the elevator, when Melody knows she isn't going to take him back, but she fucks him anyway. That was my favorite spicy scene. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't spicy. It just didn't sit right with me. Like, yeah. I didn't want her to take him back right away at all. Like, I yeah. totally agreed with that. But giving him that and then just taking it away seemed kind of cruel, even even yeah. if it was effective. I mean, I. I don't know. Again, I don't think he felt like he had her back in that moment, though. No, he definitely didn't. Yeah, no, I would agree with that, too. it's like, hey, I don't know. I guess it's pretty badass to say, here's what you're going to miss. But at the same time, it just felt cruel. Mm. And it didn't. It seemed, out of, I, it seemed I, out of character for I would have been like, sure, go ahead and fuck me up against the wall. See you in a week. <laughs> See, I don't think either one of them were really thinking about it in those terms at all, though. Like, I don't think that she was thinking like, well, here's what you're going to miss. I think both of them were just thinking like giving into the moment. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, we have this connection and like nobody makes me feel the way they make me feel. So I'm just going to do this and worry about it later. You know? 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Just didn't, I don't know. So, I understand what you're saying. Sit, I don't dis- I do not disagree with what you're saying, but I don't I just don't think she had that motivation. But I don't think B was mad about it. <laughs> I don't think he was either. I don't think he was mad. I think he was devastated though after. Yeah. I empathize with both of them, but I still root for Melody more. Oh yeah, me too. I guess just girl power. Mhm. Yeah. Well, I feel like she's been through more. Oh, for sure. Which probably isn't super fair because he's also, you know, being he's been blackmailed, blackmailed by his biological father. <laughs> and he's known for years. His dad doesn't know that he's not his kid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, he's been through it, too. Yeah. It's, she's been through it longer, though. Like, she all her life. Whose trauma is worse? <laughs> <laughs> Discuss. No, I'm just kidding. What about biggest revelation? I think my biggest revelation was when Trina, Mel's mom, realizes that she's been a shit parent right she shows up at mel's apartment and i think every kid with a deadbeat parent would love it if said parent showed up and was like whoopsies which never ever happens right i want to point out that trina still has a long way to go and she knows she still has a long way to go and i I don't feel like i feel like this was a band-aid i don't feel like it was i don't feel like it was unrealistic because she's not being like i'm gonna come over and make you eggs every morning she's still a shit parent but she at least extends an olive branch to mel right. to try yeah. to be better it's so not I a really light like switch that. if she was all of a sudden like oh okay now i'm the perfect parent Let's we would have been like, well, yeah i would have been yeah. like mm, no yeah no but she's still right. a hippie and lives on a commune and doesn't use the internet which is fine right but like it in does not pay attention to who Mel is as a person. Right. Well, that's she's the still problem. at the root a self-centered, you know, right. that's just right. who she is. And she's not going to get over that overnight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or probably ever, to be honest with you, but she can make an effort. Even her recognition, or at least part of her recognition of being a bad parent, I felt like it was very self-centered, like you're saying, because at one point they have a conversation where she's like, I know I really suck as a mom. That's why I only see you once a year. Cause I know that I'm, you know, like, I don't want to put that, on you and i was doing you a favor so instead of trying to get better i'm just gonna make it worse exactly right like it's still being focused on you instead of being focused on your kid you know what was yours with my biggest revelation was remembering that um that b was being blackmailed (laughs) (laughs) because i feel like for a big section of the book it was about beat and melody and the blackmail kind of just wasn't mentioned because it wasn't the focus. Right. And I completely forgot about it. And then I think it was the bocce ball. It was either the bocce ball game or the today show where I was like, Oh yeah, he's being going on. (laughs) That's a whole thing that has to be resolved. There's a villain in the story. Right. And I just, I mean, I just completely forgot about it. Wrapped up in the love story. I see. That's what we're, that's what I am coming to these books for. (laughs) Right. Is the love story. You said coming, but Oh my. But yeah, I had, I took totally forgotten that. And I really hated that Beat's biological dad was doing that. <laughs> that he was such a piece of crap and only interested in money instead of a relationship. But it did make me think about some celebrity pater- paternity rumors and scandals. So I did a deep dive into some of those. So I will say that I'm focusing, I only picked three and I wanted to focus on these kind of rumors or scandals that have really already completely played out. And the kids in question are like adults basically. Mm -hmm. And, or that the parents involved have like gone on the record to discuss it and not current, like little kids whose fathers are maybe unknown or celebrity single moms. I didn't go there. So there are definitely some current blind items and rumors about celebrities, celebrity moms, 
um, who have never been public about their kids paternities, but I didn't want to go there. So I didn't. So first up, this is the one that popped into my head immediately. And it's Anna Nicole Smith. You guys might be familiar with it because it hits a little close to home in Kentucky. So this one was a, well, this one is just a big bummer, first of all. So (laughs) be ready for that, I guess. Anna Nicole Smith was basically infamous in the mid to late 90s. She was a very young, beautiful, voluptuous, is an understatement. She was beautiful. She was a Playboy bunny or something, wasn't she? Well, she eventually became a Playboy Playboy bunny. So basically, she was a um, dancer who married a much, much older man who, like, basically, she was, like, his favorite dancer at the club that he went to. And so they got married. He died shortly after they were married. His adult children sued to prevent her from inheriting anything from him. He was an extremely wealthy person. It was a huge news story because it was basically like, look at this gold digger that's trying to take this inheritance away from these kids, right? So um, she basically really played the game of fame. I didn't mean to run that, but she played the game really, really well. She like used her 15 minutes of fame to make a name for herself. And that's when she became a playboy bunny or playmate. She had a reality show about her, about her life. And in September, 2006, she actually had a baby. She had already had an adult son. So she had a baby daughter in the Bahamas. Was it his, the old man's? No, he was already like, okay, um, okay. Yeah, he was already done. I think her adult son had already been born by the time she married that, that guy. Okay. okay. I think the, the old guy, the old guy. Okay. So he's not in the picture at all anymore at this point. So she has this baby girl and a month later she adds her partner's name to the birth certificate as the father of this baby. Right. And his name is Howard K. Stern, not Howard. Oh yeah. I remember this. The initial is (laughs) very important. (laughs) Right. So not the radio Howard Stern, but Howard K. Stern. He was a lawyer. So, well, I guess he still is a lawyer. So then in February of 2007, sadly, Anna Nicole Smith died very suddenly, but not super unexpectedly. She had had a lot of like alcohol substance abuse issues through the years. Her son, her adult son had died fairly recently. And basically people thought like she died of a broken heart, essentially. So then this little baby girl all of a sudden has all these men saying, well, actually that's my daughter because Anna Nicole Smith was with a few people, um, kind of close to the same time frame, right? And this little baby that's only a few months old at this point just became the sole heir of her estate because her other child had already passed and away. So all the men are like, like coming oh, out of the woodwork. Exactly. Now who are the gold diggers? Exactly. Yeah. So there had already been kind of some questions before Anna Nicole Smith passed away as to if Howard K. Stern was actually this baby's father, right? So that was already a question. So then it just kind of intensified when when she died. So then there were DNA tests and the DNA tests proved Howard K. Stern was not the father. He was not the father. <laughs> you Maureen. are not the father. But Anna Nicole's former boyfriend and Kentucky native Larry Burkhead was the father. Side note, I actually used to work with Larry Burkhead's sister. Side note, a couple of Christmases ago, I was in Target getting wrapping paper and dropped it. And he was in there with his daughter and handed me my wrapping paper. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Side note. He was very nice. His daughter went to CEP at my kid's (laughs) elementary school. (laughs) We're all like, you know, six degrees from Larry Burkhead. That's so funny. Nice guy. Yeah, the family is nice. So he has had custody of his daughter with Anna Nicole since the court proceedings wrapped up in 2000. 
2007. He changed her name to reflect his last name, and he's raised her ever since. And they basically stay out of the spotlight, except to attend the Kentucky Derby every yeah. year, because... Um, mm-hmm. She's a Kentuckian. He's a Kentuckian. So hopefully she's getting a more normal upbringing with a family that loves her, I'm assuming. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. I didn't do a ton of deep dive into what she's doing because she's still a minor. Right. And that, he, you know, he doesn't have her in the spotlight. I so, love how respectful you, know. you are of all of that. Good job, <laughs> well, Wit. Thank you so much. The next one is a little bit more not respectful. <laughs> all right. Hit us. Hit us with the right. good stuff. So next up we have Ronan Farrow. He's made a name for himself in recent years as an investigative journalist. He is the journalist that basically uncovered Harvey Weinstein's, like, I don't even know how you want to say Bullshittery. it. Bullshittery. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote misdeeds, but that... It's a lot more than misdeeds. Yeah. Like, that's an, that's an understatement. horrible self. Yeah. So yeah. he, Ronan Farrow's like the, the journalist that kind of made that all come to light, right? During the Me Too movement. His mom is Mia Farrow, the actress who was with Woody Allen for a really long time. She was kind of, she and Woody Allen were basically like a Hollywood golden couple for many years. And I'm not even going to get into them splitting up. That's a whole thing. Cause Woody, right? Al- Woody <laughs> Allen has his own shit. Doesn't yeah, I he mean, yeah. yes. Yeah. So like, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> so Ronan, I'm like, this is not as juicy. I'm like, what? Tell us what Woody Allen did. Well, the short story. Well, Okay. Mia Farrow adopted several children. Ronan is the only biological child of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen, right? Mia Farrow has several other children that she adopted. One of those adopted children is now married to Woody Allen. Yeah, that's not weird (laughs) at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So... Ronan Farrow does not have a good relationship, if any relationship at all, with Woody Allen. Is Mia Farrow still alive? I think so. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think so. I don't think he even has a relationship with Woody Allen at all. But that's that's another deep dive. So in 2013, Mia Farrow did an interview with Vanity Fair and on the record said that it was possible that Woody Allen is actually not Ronan's biological father because she was having an affair with Frank Sinatra. Oh, I had not heard that. Yeah. So... Ronan actually could be Frank Sinatra and Mia Farrow's child, not Woody Allen and Mia Farrow's child. So did he never do a a paternity test? Well, no. He would have to do a test with Frank Sinatra's children, like from his marriage. Oh, okay. And I guess he's not interested in doing that. Ronan himself has not really said anything on the record about it, except that when the Vanity Fair article came out, I actually really love this. He made a tweet that says, quote, listen, we're all possibly Frank Sinatra's son. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's so great. <laughs> that's the only thing that he has said like publicly about it. But Mia Farrow, you know, I was the one in the relationship, right? If I were him and I was already estranged from Woody Allen anyways, I'd at least want to know if I wasn't Woody Allen's kid. Yeah. I mean, I think for him... I would imagine that he just assumes that he's not. And it's just like, whatever, you know, because Frank Sinatra was not alive at this point, I don't think. So it's not like he would be able to have a relationship, even if he knew. Right. You know, so 
there you go. So there are lots of people that have tried to prove that Ronan Farrow is Frank Sinatra's just based on pictures. And you can like look it up and look at side by side of like young Frank Sinatra with Ronan Farrow's pictures and stuff. And he does look a lot like But him. here's the thing. If you put a picture of me and you next to each other, people could say we're long lost sisters. That's like, true. You know, like, yeah, that's if true. you're looking for it, yeah. unless like that's you're completely true. different ethnicities, you're going to find <laughs> it. I mean, come on. Yeah, but I kind of loved that Mia Farrow was like, well, you know, I was sleeping with Frank Sinatra and like said that on the record <laughs> in this interview. Like, what? And his son's like, I her son's that. like, sure. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's fine. I get the feeling from his response that this was not new information. Right. right you know what right. I mean? Like, like tracks. I think that they had probably had that conversation and it's not yeah. like she was dropping a bomb well, and what that does he didn't he, know about. What you know? does he have to gain? Exactly. Right. By yeah. proving that nothing. So he has his he has he is well taken care of. I mean, shit, Mia Farrow is his mom. He's fine. Right. Yeah. He's good. Sounds yeah. like he's loved by her. So who cares? So those two I'd heard of. This last one I had never heard of before and kind of can't believe that I had never known this based on like just me and pop culture and how much I love it. So this one's about Janice Dickinson. Okay. Oh, so Janice from top model. Uh, that, yes. Yeah. That's what I, I know do, her from. Do you want to be Next. on top? <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that show. That show was so messed I up. I still love that show. <laughs> Oh, man. So Janice Dickinson, the world's first supermodel and also a former judge on America's Next, Next Top Model. I did not know this before researching for this deep dive, but Janice Dickinson and Sylvester Stallone were in a relationship. I did not know this. Hmm. So this is very, very dramatic. Okay. I'm sorry. I just pictured them in bed. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Janice, <laughs> like, well, stop, man. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, I picture her sounding like Janice from Friends in I bed. Oh my, oh, God. my God. Okay, so they were in a really hot and heavy relationship in the early 90s. But the only problem with that is that Janice Dickinson was with someone else yeah. and cheating on him with Sylvester Stallone. Who was she with? Somebody. <laughs> Someone no not, not Sly Stallone. And yeah, I don't. Not I don't, Rambo. Yeah, I think he was like a producer or a photographer or something. He was in the business, but I didn't know who what his name was. So I feel like I was trying to protect him, you know, protect him. <laughs> yeah, of course. You were being <laughs> you respectful to yeah, the husband. Sure. I, I don't think he was a husband. He was a boyfriend. But anyway, he was with her and she was cheating on him with Sylvester Stallone, right? So then she becomes pregnant with Sylvester Stallone's baby. So she breaks up with the boyfriend. She gets together with, I call him Sly in my notes. Sly Stallone. Yeah. So she breaks up with her boyfriend and she and Sly are together for, you know, the duration of her pregnancy, which I get, you know, you're going to have my kid, right? Like, let's try to make this work. You're the mother of my child. Like, Mm -hmm. let's try to make this work for the baby. Too bad that he was also already in a relationship Mm -hmm. with a different model. So he apparently... We're going to protect her identity, too, I'm assuming. I didn't write. It was a lot of names, okay? (laughs) It was a lot of names. So he breaks up with this other model. I actually really love this. And he didn't tell her why he was breaking up with her. And so she had no idea that he had been cheating on her, that he had been cheating on her with another model, that this model was pregnant with his baby. Like she found out from her agent. This isn't going to stay quiet. Exactly. Her agent told her. (gasps) 
like oh, the next so day shitty. or something. Isn't oh, that crappy? That's like super rude. you're gonna if you're gonna break up with her anyway, like just like you say, it's not like she's not gonna find out you're Sylvester Stallone with a very famous supermodel, right? So anyway, they both were with other people. They both like blew up their relationships because he got her pregnant, right? So that sucks. They're together. <laughs> she has a healthy, you know, healthy pregnancy. She gives birth to a healthy baby girl. Six weeks after she gives birth, the paternity test comes back. Guess what? It's not slice. It's oh. not slice. It was her actual boyfriend's. Oh, oh shit. so at least there wasn't like another party, right. right? Yeah, but it. She blew up her entire relationship and her whole life to be with the father of and her kid. And she blew up somebody else's relationship. And she blew up somebody else's relationship and it wasn't even... Can you just not fucking cheat on each right? other, yeah. people? Just don't. It's pretty easy to not cheat. Right. So she wrote about... Janice Dickinson wrote about this in her autobiography, I guess, and basically was like, I really thought it was Sly's baby. Like, I went with my gut. That's what I thought was right. And like... Whoops! <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh! A so, picture of the baby coming out and going, forget about it. Right. So <laughs> I knew it was yours. <laughs> it's got the nose and the Jersey accent. <laughs> right. When <laughs> so <laughs> so when Sylvester Stallone finds out he is not the father, he goes back to previous girlfriend who was with him. Does she take him back? Took him back. Not only did she take him back, they eventually got married in 1997, and they are still married to oh, this day. Good for them. So they worked it out. I hope she he's forgave kept his him. Dick in his pants. I, I hope so too. I believe they have a couple of daughters. I think together at least two because they come up on my TikTok <laughs> for you page sometimes. <laughs> but they made it work, and they're still together now. Good for them. Janice and her ex did not. <laughs> did not have that same Can't ending. imagine why. The ex-boyfriend, you know, did what he needed to do to be a good dad and has a good relationship yeah. with their with their kid, but mm -hmm. they did not get back together and she has had a rough go of things since the early 90s. Yeah, yeah so. she has. But yeah, I mean, can you imagine like blowing up your entire life? Like, oops, like, I oops. was cheating and, you know, my boyfriend got me pregnant, sorry. And then be like, no, he didn't. Actually, it's yours. <laughs> like, I mean, for her ex-boyfriend to go through all of that, yeah. like, you lose your relationship. Oh, my gosh, she's having this baby with somebody else. And then to find out it's yours and have to try to, like... Flip back into yes, that. Yes, flip back into that, like, well, crap, now we're going to be in each other's lives right. forever, you know? I wonder how early now you can tell the paternity of a child. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm sure that they probably could do it before the baby's born. I bet they born, could do it through amniotic fluid or something like that. Probably. They can find out the gender of the baby yeah, through that. That's so, probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But, yeah. If you ever, there's a ton more. There's a ton. Uh, I know. I was hoping for a 45 minute deep dive into this. I'm not going to lie. I know, but you got to protect the privacy. <laughs> I, I really do like that you did not talk about people where the kids are still yeah. like at home and it stuff. It just felt gross. Yeah. But there are. There are a few current yeah. single moms who have very like it's, it sounds weird to say it like this, but they're very openly private about the paternity of their children because they're not right. in a relationship. Mm -hmm. They weren't in a relationship when they had the kids, and it's right. kind of like where'd these kids come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? But a man could, who may or may not be married, who may or may not be in this band, and may or may not be the lead singer. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole for days. <laughs> for days. You, I don't know if this website still exists, but you know, there used to be a website where it would be people that hooked up with celebrities, and they would say if they were a good lay or not. 
Oh, okay. I don't, I've never heard of such yeah, a place. So it talks about girth, length, and if it was good. Okay. I'll put it in the show notes, people. Well. <laughs> Whitney's like, text it to me now. <laughs> put it in the show notes. Text it to me later. Thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, so that was my deep dive and my biggest revelation. Remembering remembering the whole like, oh, <laughs> that's my dad. And you're blackmailing me. But Ugh. Mindy, you didn't say your biggest revelation yet, right? I didn't. I don't know if this is necessarily a revelation, but uh, I kind of found it interesting that octavia has two sides to her mm-hmm. like you you picture her, she's this enigma right she you, she presents herself as this poised person but she also has this snarky playful side that's totally hilarious and i love that she becomes a melody head like she's watching <laughs> yeah. this live stream and then when she and trina are re- reunited her badass rocker chick totally comes out right yeah. let's loose she totally cracked me up i didn't really like her at first but she definitely grew on me especially when she was interacting with trina and one of my favorite quotes from her is quote liking her talking about melody so much is very disconcerting considering she sprung forth from the womb of a trifling banshee (laughs) (laughs) i just thought it was like i I don't know it surprised me i guess that underneath it all like even though i knew she was a rocker chick back in the day you know she comes across as this like poised charity Mm -hmm. woman and then all of a sudden you realize oh that's still in there well she's actually my favorite secondary character oh yeah and it's because of two other quotes because i almost wrote that one down but the reason she's my favorite secondary is first she says dramatic me the woman carried in on the backs of swan men you don't say and then when she's talking about douchebag fletcher she says i want to fillet this motherfucker's balls grill them until they're done and dine on them with a bottle of wine <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> and, was really and beats like mother <laughs> yeah. um and so yeah i love her she was she's, my she she came great. into her own for mm-hmm, sure definitely during the book yeah i liked her a lot too i think that was a good re- mine was also not really a revelation yours is more of a re- revelation than mine was so good job you did it <laughs> yeah uh, let's talk about sex. Baby. <laughs> sex, sex, sex. What sex, was your sex. favorite spicy scene? You said yours was the hallway. No, the elevator. The Mine was the elevator. Okay, so I want to point out, <laughs> even though the couch scene in Mel's apartment was actually really hot. I mean, like, mm-hmm. Beat knows yes. how to get a girl in a position, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but <laughs> I could not get past Beat yelling, I'm coming inside you. It felt like something a high school boy would say his first time. So instead, I'm going to opt for beach joy of oral sex and the elevator fucking because the couch that ruined it for me. I'm coming inside you. I'm like, oh, beat. Okay, bud. She knows. She feels it. (laughs) It was sweet, though, that he was like, I've never come inside. And you're the first one I've ever come. I'm coming inside you. But he did, like, announce it too loud first. Right. Right. Like, I feel like in, like, the movies where there's a minute, man, they're like, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Like, I don't, like, yeah, yeah, I don't need, I know. I got you. I got it, bud. Why don't you keep telling me about that position you just put her in instead? (laughs) He may not have realized that she would know, though, because he had never done it before. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah, maybe. But also, dude, shut up for a second. <laughs> the couch scene was my favorite. Spice. <laughs> not because of that. <laughs> I guess God. in spite of that. <laughs> right. In spite of that. Right. No, What'd but, you like about it? 
I like well that he was like vulnerable with her, you know, like the intimacy of like I'm not gonna have you edge me and then roll over and put my face on the pillow while I like finish myself off, like, like he did in the attic. Yes, yeah. that was so weird. I it hate, was that was much weirder. He's to like me. best sex of my life. I'm like you came in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he like yeah, I did not like that when he like rolled away and Melody's like, um, can okay, you imagine? <laughs> like, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> just laying next to him and he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> I would be like oh. and now that's why she was distant she was like dude that was weird it was it was weird yeah. and it it would hurt my feelings too but I was yeah. proud I was proud of him and Melody's apartment right of like you did it you're doing it he told you're everyone he did it <laughs> But I also really liked the, I guess it was the morning after when they opened the door and they're all oh, the, like sweet. the paparazzi or yeah. whatever. And he's like, I did it. Danielle says, you look like you just crossed a sex marathon. And, and Melody goes, I know I finished several times. <laughs> <laughs> all of that, like funny banter the yeah. next morning. I really, really loved yeah, that a lot. I did too. That was my favorite. Would you like me? Well, <laughs> I actually liked the attic. The attic? <laughs> the ending but the during i guess because for me i'll get you a box of tissues for christmas (laughs) okay so like cutting off that end part right like cutting off his you just act like that didn't yeah just pretend like that because it did like it totally sucked like the aftermath of it but during it it just felt so raw and untethered and i think it's melody in that moment that describes it as primal Mm-hmm. And that just really sums it up for me. Like, I love how she knows what Beat needs and edges him flawlessly in that moment. She's like, she just learned about that. Ten point, ten out of ten. Right? <laughs> and then he's so focused on her pleasure, even though he doesn't end up giving himself over fully. But he's at that point, he's still starting to crack open that door to I'm not, I'm letting not, go. I'm not going to lie. I kind of love that he like rubs his face up in her. I'm like, I know. I mean, like, I mean and the, again, yeah, that's I like the primal, the yeah. primal aspect of it. So yeah, like if we, if we, <laughs> well, it's just like, if you don't hear him say, I'm coming inside you. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't think about how he rolled over and like got himself off after, which is just I know, really, but also really There's weird. a mattress with no blanket. Where'd it go? His t-shirt. Come on, bro. We're not, we're not <laughs> middle schoolers. Come on. Uh, maybe they, yeah i don't want to know that either (laughs) i'm sure he found a clean towel i will say i listened to the (laughs) the audiobook and the like i'm coming inside you is not performed that way (laughs) (laughs) so it makes it a little more palatable so i'm like totally coming inside you no (laughs) it was better than that coming was it okay in that chapter was that from his point of view or from hers i think it was his i can't remember okay. i'm just curious if it was in a female voice acting like a man or if it was from the that would voice. be better to be honest yeah. yeah maybe it was i can't remember now uh, but i just know it wasn't like I'm shouting coming, <laughs> i am coming 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 inside you so let's talk about chapter mvp i wonder who we all picked oh mine was the people of new york oh, oh fun yeah not only do they love mel 
like Beat does, but they help her find him once the reunion started and he leaves the set. That was cute. That is really sweet. They treat her with respect and they're rooting for their relationship from the first time they're on screen together. And I really, really love how the community comes together. And, and it's like um, Mel Fan 98 or whatever. Or Mel <laughs> yeah. Fan. She's like, we saw him at Fifth and Broadway. Go, go, go. But like, they're not being disrespectful to her. Yes. Like, I, I love I love that. The whole yeah. the whole world is like rooting for them at that was point. an awesome moment yeah. there were no weird like stalker trying to break into her apartment kind of right moments yeah right. they were all yeah. just yeah. like supportive good job under- fake New yeah York. <laughs> they understood they were on the sideline right yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, I like that just too. like they would in real life right sure right sure <laughs> yeah that was super realistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was your mvp but mine actually was trina i mean who wouldn't love a woman who seems to pull off large purple wings a bustier and doc martens right so <laughs> i swear that she but what i love about her is she really does humble herself to melody again it's a starting point it's not like she's got a long way to go but she totally gets octavia to release her inner bitch which is super yeah. fun and then it's her idea to invite douchebag dad to join the reunion so they can humiliate him publicly which is a total badass move mm-hmm. yeah and really like the impetus of the whole end of the yeah. When I love how they're like, you know what? You fucking suck. Let's bring out this old dude that paid for us <laughs> after you did. Let's bring out your replacement right. again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was kind of badass. Yeah. I liked that a lot too. And Trina, I think, is the one that says, like, that he came after our kids. Right. And that's what kind of brings them back together right. the two of them mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. mama they bears. start sort of got over themselves and said okay right. this sucks this is that's we can work we've together had enough for this yes. who yeah. was yours with <laughs> mine was magnificent mel oh <laughs> we love tell her. us why uh well really because of what i think both of you guys were talking about earlier about how she she wants to be with beat but She's not like groveling, crying, like, pick me, choose me. She's She's like giving herself up. Yes. She's like, I need a minute and I'm going to take that time that I need and it's going to be fine. Right. And it's she's not really taking the time and also freaking out of like, well, what if I'm making a mistake and he's not going to wait for me? What if I'm what if I'm ruining this? Like she knows she needs to not be with him right then. And so that's what she does. Right. Um, And I just really liked that because she kind of started the story a lot less self assured and less confident and which we talked about last week. You're right. It did feel like a confident choice because I think previously it would have been a lack of confidence choice. Like, well, he must really just not want to be with me if he keeps treating me like this. So I'll stay away. Instead, it turns into he does want to be with me, but I have to be ready. Yes. So, yeah, she does have quite the arc. And she knows she has to trust him, too. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't realize that until she sees that video that he's he's really trusted her from the beginning. Like, she doesn't think he trusts her. And then, yeah. Well, and even, you know, after the. The rolling over in the attic. (laughs) We're going to call it spooge time. (laughs) (laughs) You can call it that. (laughs) But even after that, it's like, that was weird. And I'm going to tell you that that was weird, right? Like she doesn't keep it to herself and just like suffer through it. She's like, no, that hurt my feelings. And I didn't like that. So I need all of you or none of you. Thank you very much. And 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 she's like, I deserve all of you. Yes. And I really liked that a lot. So I'm a, I'm a magnificent Mel fan too. 
So she was my MVP. And you, Deb, you already said your secondary character. That Tell was me Octavia. Octavia. Yeah, is your with her awesome character. quotes. Who is your secondary character? Well, Deb had mentioned earlier about Vance, and he was my favorite secondary character just because he's hysterical. Like, I have a whole thing for the whole best friend teases he'll steal the girl. And then the the main guy gets all jealous. Fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah. you. Plus, he's the first one that gets beat really thinking seriously that he can let his guard down with people, especially Melody. Yeah. During that party when he's talking about how, like, you know what? You just never, you know, you're kind of untouchable, dude. So, like, right. chill out. And um, I just, I love that. He seems like a really good friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the best friend's always super funny. That same conversation with Beat at the party, I think he basically says... Like, I know that you've been holding back and that you're not actually yourself, right? Like, you think you're this great actor, but I know that you're not really being yourself with right. me. But even knowing that, he still has been there for him right. for all that time. And I, I think that's... That's a good very, friend. Yeah, good that's friend. admirable. Who was yours? <laughs> well, my secondary character is not really a secondary character. Is it B? It's B. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I just picked him because I love... I wrote, I love a simp. Like... <laughs> He, he is, is all he oh, is yeah. all in for Melody, and I love that. Mm-hmm. And I'm I mean I'm a simp for a simp. So. I I think one of my favorite tropes might be he falls first. Yeah, I do love because that. there's so much there's so many books out there of like well she's head over heels for him and does he like me or does he not and exactly, I don't know and, yes. not, and and it's very obvious from the beginning that he's into her. Yeah, no yeah. question. Right, and never wavers. Right, right. Like, his issues are his issues it's right. not anything to do with her it's all about him which i really really like a lot and even when he fucks up it's because in his mind it's to protect her right he's so like, trying yeah. to do he thinks he's doing something he never for her puts yeah. himself before her you right. in his mind at least you might have hit the nail on the head of why i love tessa bailey so much because i'm thinking of her other books yeah and it's usually the guy's got his own shit he's got to work through it has nothing to do with the woman i actually i, I love, love it yeah. because yeah. i've loved every single book i've read by her yeah i really like it a lot that I have more to say about that a little bit later but yeah i just i love him i love the way that he like unabashedly is just completely obsessed with melody so my favorite quote is from trina to octavia she's i think it's when she first shows up in uh, Tr- octavia's house and she says does the mistress of the house require her smelling salts <laughs> That made me laugh out loud when that happened. I love that. She's so, so funny. She, she, yeah, she was really funny. I really enjoyed that a lot. That was my favorite quote. Surprise, surprise. I have two. <laughs> I actually had three, but I, I cut one out. <laughs> but my, one of mine's from Trina as well. And it's when she's talking to Melody. She says, maybe I am the villain in her story, talking about Octavia. But I am the hero of my own. I'm going to keep on being that for myself if it's all right with the world. I really liked that. Loved, yeah. loved, loved that. And then I feel like this is sort of the classic line of the whole book is when Beat says, forever, Mel, are you going to give me forever? And it says she looked into the eyes that could see clear through to her soul. I'd give us 10 forevers if I could. Just, yeah. That's like that's the a precious really happily ending. ever that after. Really it's a really good HEA. Yes. It is. Mine was he wanted the camera to leave so he could put his arms around Melody and run his palms over her hair, her face, her back, put his mouth on her skin and inhale her just to get her into his lungs. Do you remember falling in love with oh, your husband? Yes. And like that smell is very important, right? I used to and, like, wear 
iron shirts. Yeah, I need it on me. I want to smell it. I want to smell it on the pillow. I want to smell it in my hair. <laughs> like, there, I mean, there is something about pheromones. We talked about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a deep dive on that one time. But I mean, I understand that from like a very like animalistic level. Yeah. yeah. I need this person all over me. I, I sniff Robbie sometimes. <laughs> he thinks it's really weird. <laughs> I don't think it's weird think at it's all. Weird either. I don't think it's weird at all. I mean, it's the same way. Like I used to love the way my mom smelled. Yeah. Right. Like when I was little. So yeah. yeah, there's something about the, the person that you're intimate with wanting mm. that smell on you. Those olfactory bulbs. <laughs> those olfactory bulbs. Good we sure do like those. Bulbs. <laughs> so before we talk about the book as a whole, were there any other tidbits or random things you wanted to talk about? Well, I kind of found it fascinating about this whole idea of imposter syndrome because Melody talks about it a couple of times in here. And and you think about being on a reality TV show, you know, when that first came out, nobody really, I mean, really, I don't know that anybody still thinks that it's real TV at all. Like, you know what I mean? It is real. She brought that up and I hear it a lot. I actually hear it a lot in the author community as well. So I wanted to, to dive a little bit into that and it's kind of defined as that feeling like you're a fraud despite evidence that you are successful. Like I said, as we connect with more authors, I realized it's something that pretty much really everyone suffers from at some point in their life. Celebrities like Tom Hanks, Lady Gaga, Natalie Portman, and Tina Fey have, have all been quoted that they have imposter syndrome. And so there's eight major characteristics of it. The first is self-doubt. The second is sabotaging your own success. Third, undervaluing contributions. Fourth, a low self-esteem. Five, a fear of failure. Six, overworking. Seven, not accepting recognition for achievements, which I am constantly doing this. So also sounds like severe anxiety. Yeah. I, I'm thinking, yeah. I <laughs> like that. I, I got that. Check, yeah. check, check, check. I always am like, you know, that really wasn't me. That was somebody else. Or, you know, I didn't really do that much. If somebody's saying, like paying me a compliment, like I, I feel like, a lot of people suffer from this. And then the last one's comparing yourself to others, which I feel like at some point in everybody's life they've done. I have to remind myself there's always someone doing it better than you and doing it worse than you. And that's okay. You just need to focus on yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, or or ask to learn from those people that are doing mm, it better than you. So there are five types of imposter syndrome. Um, So, and I kind of, once I was going through, I'm like, which one am I? So I actually want to, find out if you all agree with me on what I pick as mine. But anyway, <laughs> so the first one is called the perfectionist. They have a need to achieve exceedingly high standards, but their relentless pursuit of perfection often results in excessive self-criticism, anxiety, and burnout. That sounds like Whitney. <laughs> so you might be. And Deb <laughs> and Mindy. <laughs> so you might be a perfectionist if you, A, micromanage everything. <laughs> B, check. don't know how to delegate tasks. Mm. Check. check. You obsess over little details. Mm-hmm. Yes. You struggle with decision making. 100% for me. Mm. You have high standards and unrealistic expectations. Maybe. I definitely have that. And you have an incredible fear of failure or making mistakes. Mm. I mm-hmm. pretty much check off all those boxes. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't struggle with decision making. If anything, I'm too <laughs> decisive. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, this is what we're doing. Moving on. I don't, you might be 
closer to the second one called the superhuman. And these are high achievers who pressure themselves to excel in all areas of their life to justify their accomplishments and, and success. You like, mean someone who works so hard for years and never sleeps and make themselves chronically like, ill? Like a workaholic? It sounds like them. <laughs> mm. So the superhuman often struggles with being too self-critical. And signs you have superhuman imposter syndrome are you don't handle constructive criticism well, which I, I feel like you kind of do. I think I'm actually pretty good at that. Yeah, I do too. That one, I, I wouldn't say you're like, you feel stressed when you're not working. I definitely yeah. feel that. You feel guilty when taking breaks. Yep. And you put a lot of pressure on yourself to perform at your best. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, the you're a superhuman. <laughs> I'm a superhuman. <laughs> and not in a good way, I She's guess. She's Wonder Woman. <laughs> I'm trying to be less super. <laughs> Uh, the next one is called the natural genius, and they think their success is solely based on their natural talent or intelligence. Success has always come easily to them. So this is like beat, right? So they set impossibly high standards for themselves and can get overwhelmed in competitive environments where they are forced to challenge themselves. Natural geniuses characteristics include success has come easily to them in the past. Their self-confidence suffers considerably when faced with a setback. They believe success comes from inherent ability, not hard work and practice. Hmm. You have very high standards for yourself, and they're critical of perceived obstacles that might impede their success. Sounds like my son. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. The next one is called the soloist. And the soloist is very independent and feels like they need to achieve success solely on their own because they don't often ask for help. They often feel isolated and overwhelmed, which leads to self-doubt and feeling inadequate. Soloists are characterized by feeling like they need to accomplish everything on their own. They feel incompetent if they need help. They struggle to network and they have difficulty accepting constructive criticism. Oh, that's my other kid. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I might be a little bit of that too. Maybe. I don't know. I'm getting better about stuff like that. But the final one's called the expert. And these are people who have invested so much time and effort into their education and training that they feel like they should know everything about their chosen field, but still doubt their abilities and worry that they won't be able to handle all the challenges of their job. So if you're an expert, you might feel like you need to master every step in the process, feel like you need to constantly pursue training and certifications, feel like a fraud despite having expertise. And struggle with procrastination because you feel overwhelmed. That, mm. I feel like that's maybe my son. But so I, we've already said this. I definitely would categorize myself as a perfectionist. But here, I am too. Yeah. So here are some ways to combat imposter syndrome. So, first, you need to normalize the feelings and know that you're not alone. And this was surprising to me. Studies have shown that between 70 to 80% of people will have feelings of imposter syndrome at some point in their life. Hmm. And after reading all that, like you can see how easily somebody could slip yeah. into one of those. Two, they say to talk it out, talk with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or therapist. And there was a really cool quote that said, Shame thrives in darkness, so give it the opportunity. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then celebrate your accomplishments, big or small, and it will start changing your mindset. So a face group, Facebook group I'm in for Julie Olivia's readers, it's called Feisty Firecrackers. If you want to join us, it's really fun. <laughs> but she always does a weekly post called Bite Size Victories. And you can post anything that you've accomplished, even if it's just today I didn't yell at my kids or today I only ate five brownies instead of six or whatever, you know, whatever's an accomplishment yeah. for you. And it runs the gamut of like, you know, work related things. And like I yeah. said, just little things. That's and it's really idea. nice to sort of look at everybody's, you know, this is what I got through today and yeah. it's okay. The next one is get to the root of where your imposter syndrome comes from. So was it a past experience or trauma perhaps? 
Knowledge is so empowering and understanding helps us challenge those behaviors. Yeah. And then finally challenge the ne- the negativity. When you're feeling like a fraud, you need to focus on the times that that isn't true. So I know that's easier said than done, but sometimes you might have to do some serious therapy to com- combat those negative feelings. I'm thoroughly pro therapy. I've actually been working through a lot of my issues on a weekly basis with a therapist. And I would add normalized therapy too, because mm, yeah. I feel like it's come a long way, but there's still a stigma attached sometimes to that. Absolutely. And I just don't think anybody should feel like they shouldn't do therapy because there's something wrong with them. Like that's why we do it so that we can learn to live in a world that tells us that therapy's not okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I just thought that was a really, really cool. It brought it brought a lot to light for me. Uh, just the whole idea of imposter syndrome. Cause I was like, I don't feel like an imposter, but I definitely do. Yeah. Like even sometimes with our podcast, I'm like, Am I like, do people really care what I have to say? They yeah. love, but they Mindy. do. I know like they love us. And you know, I, th- I think, man, we're hysterical and, <laughs> and we kind of are. And people like, I don't know. I get a little validation from that. So we're thank real you listeners. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> thank you listeners for yes. all, the, all the positive feedback. Cause it really does help us. And please tell us we're great. So you don't have <laughs> imposter syndrome because I'm a superhuman and I'll keep working until someone tells me I did a good job. Make sure you leave us a review and five stars. Thank you so much. We love you. So let's talk about the book as a whole. So what was your favorite part of the book? Just overall? Well, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a favorite part. I just, I want to say what I like the most about this book is that Tessa Bailey writes very lovable characters. And I mentioned this earlier, but she does not Tip, in this book, she doesn't do the typical grumpy sunshine trope that's so popular right now. And I, I love how in love B is with Melody. Yeah, me too. And Tessa Bailey does a very good job of bringing the reader on the journey of falling in love. And I'd say she's good at that in all of her books. And so that's really what I loved about it. Just like the feeling that you get while you're reading this book was very positive. And it's, it, this is a great December read you all. Oh, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, such sure. a good holiday read. And it's not super like Christmassy or anything. Like it's yeah, not, not Christmassy really. yeah, I mean, at they, all. They, the only thing that's Christmassy is they're going to do the, they're going to reunite the band on Christmas Eve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The rest yeah. is really about the, like it going... just happens to be Christmas time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it does yeah. have that sort of holiday feel to it still, it does. which yeah. is, in, you know, kind of cool when you think that it's not it feels... really about Christmas, but it feels Christmassy. Right. It feels light and fun. Well, and it's a, you know, we were just talking before we were recording about how busy this time of year is. And this is a quick read. Like it's a, it's not going to take you away from all the other stuff that you need to do, but it will take you away enough to help like calm that stress a little bit, you know, don't forget to take time for yourself. You all. Yeah. Yeah. One, my favorite part again, like you said, Deb, it's not a favorite part. It's just what I like most about it, but having it be the dual point of view and being able to see from both of them that they are equally like into each other. I really, really love that a lot. It makes it more palatable, the whole miscommunication thing, because I'm with you, Deb. I don't love that trope. Uh, I get why people use it because it definitely brings tension, but having the two points of view, you can, you're not confused. You're not as confused as you could be. Yeah. I really like dual POV in romance. I wouldn't say I love it so much in fantasy books because I think sometimes it's used in fantasy to do more world building. And I'm like, if you have to keep telling me about your world with the second person, we need to dial it down a little bit. Yeah, It it definitely gets confusing (laughs) in fantasy, but I really like, I loved it in this book. Oh, for sure. I think it helps too. 
you know, if we did not get to see Beat's point of view and only saw Melody's, we would not like him. I as don't. Much. I was about to True. say you would be a very yeah. unlikable character. Yeah, if you did not no, get his like POV. You because you would be making the same assumptions that Melody makes, right? right? Because it would be from her perspective that would be the information that we had, mm-hmm. and it it makes it for a more fun reading experience. I yeah. think to be able to really like both of the characters. Yeah, for sure. So, for me, I just love that at the heart of this book it's a romance but it's also this tribute to strong female friendships and Mm, finding your way back to somebody so when you look at their moms and how connected they were when they were a band and then they grow apart and being able to sort of find that common ground again with their kids and then sort of reigniting their love for what they used to do together. I thought that was really sweet. And there's so much more to be explored there. Yeah. Um, but I was- hate to break it to you too, but there's no getting rid of me. <laughs> there, there is going to be no reunion because I'm not going away. Don't call it a comeback. Well, you're stuck with me too. We were talking about this at book club this week. How like you, you find your people and you're cool with just those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't need any other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It makes me think of the new Blink-182 song. It says, they're talking about like their relationship and it's from strangers into brothers and from brothers into strangers once again. Oh. And talking about like the, the horrible like tragedies that happened to like bring them back together. It it makes me think. Is it about Travis Barker's accident? Is that what you mean? A little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It says, um, it's like it shouldn't take a sickness or an airplane falling out of the sky for like do i have to die it's it's, do i have to die to hear you miss me is one of the lyrics and it's like yeah tragedy does happen together unfortunately but it's the same kind of idea right like we were so close and then we were not we were strangers but it doesn't always have to be that way i have a couple of questions oh okay so do we ever find out what beat and melody do with the million dollars does it say? I don't think it does. I don't does. think it does. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know how they spent their millions because her whole thing was getting know. out, like having her own money. Yeah, financial right? independence. Right, and I mean, B already has all his own money, so he's right. fine. Right. I feel like B probably funneled it back into the foundation. Yeah, that yeah. that was kind of my thought too. And then my other question oh, <laughs> was: Does he still yell, "I'm coming inside <laughs> you" every time they fuck? <laughs> Did it become a habit, and does she like it? I think she did like it when he did it, at least the first time. Right. So I wonder how many more times he yelled that. That's got to get old, though. (laughs) Yes, I know. Yeah, (laughs) I I get it. I can feel it. It's running down my leg, bro. (laughs) 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 Did you all have questions? I don't think I did. I was just like, yeah, they're together. Done. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I want in the world, you know? And I I would like to say to Tessa Bailey, if you could write the sex scenes for all the books I like, that would be really great. She does write good. She does write good good sex scenes. She writes a really good angst. She Mm -hmm. helps you understand like how they're both feeling. She goes into good detail about things. But not too much. It's not gross. Yeah. 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 And I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think that things are that get super explicit or gross. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes it gets to a level where you're like, all right, I get it. Sometimes I think it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) I would say it's sensual without being overly sexual. I think we all have our things that we like to read in books. And I really like her. I like her sex scenes because some people do like the extremely explicit parts. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes those do get me going, but I like the way that she writes. Yeah, no, I liked it a lot too. 
one thing that I, the one thing that I would want to say to her is what we were talking about earlier. Like the fact that she writes the guy as the quote damaged one, the one that has some kind of trauma in the, in their past that they need to work through, whether that's with a partner or by themselves. Cause so many books, it's the girl, yeah. right? The girl's got some kind of trauma. She's quote damaged and she needs the man to help her through it. And that gets really old, right? It does. And I really appreciate having that flipped and mm-hmm. having the opportunity to read that in reverse, right? Yeah. And have the woman be the strong one and the woman be the one that can be there for her partner and, help him through right. his junk <laughs> in more ways than she one. does help him with his junk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I, for me, it's that because I love a quirky girl character. Mm-hmm, yeah. I love that she took different avenues to the quirky girl. Like I love that she played bocce ball, yeah. which is something to- so totally. I don't even know what that random. is. It's literally like an old people do at the retirement home. Like, <laughs> they're playing it at a bar. It's like yeah. ironic. Yeah, it's very it's, ironic. It's weird. Yeah. But I, I love that that's sort of her quote unquote sport, you know, and that she's not like a weird dresser. Like yeah. a lot of times they'll make them be like, well, she wore knee socks and her, you know, I think B would like that to be honest. He totally would. <laughs> but like, she's, she's, she restores books for a living. And that's yeah. the other thing, which I, I think love. for every reader, we're like, yeah, yeah. girl, get it. <laughs> yeah. just those little, little nuances of the quirky girl. I, I appreciated because it wasn't yeah. the same old, same old. There is a part of me though. That's like, you live on your own in New York in a one bedroom apartment and you replace books. You're getting some money from your mom. That's why she wants well, a million why, dollars. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, sure. saying, I'm saying though, like it was her, realistic. I mean, yeah, yeah, you had no roommate. You weren't living in a studio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you, Mindy. It was she's not like other girls, but it didn't feel like a stereotype. Yes. It felt like it wasn't. She's all that. Were they taking yes. glasses off of her? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, very genuine. It felt like Tessa Bailey created an actual person. Yeah, and it felt true to Melody. Right. right? Instead of just like, oh, okay, quirky girl, yeah. got it. You know, yeah. I. She's just. She's just a talented. She's writer. magnificent. She's got a great <laughs> career ahead of her. <laughs> Melody or Tessa Bailey? Tessa Bailey. Yes, she does. Melody, too, I'm sure. So, guys, now we come to the part that I'm nervous about, given my track record (laughs) with fan casting. Okay, so... But I put a lot of effort into this. You're probably in luck this time because you don't... I mean, yeah, I think you're probably more in luck this time. (laughs) I'll tell you why off air. So... Who did you guys fan cast as Melody? I fan cast Vanessa Hudgens. I she's okay. I she's shy in real life. She's like cute. She's a little quirky. Mm-hmm. She seems real sweet. And I I don't know. I could see her walking through the streets of New York in a little like a uh, knee link like poofy skirt playing bocce ball. <laughs> Couldn't you? Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. she's adorable. I think that's a good one. Yeah, what about you? I, I said Hunter King. She was on, uh, well, she's Joey King's sister. Okay. She, I know her from the TV show Life in Pieces that had a few seasons, but it's been off the air for a little bit. She is so gorgeous 
and she is also hilarious and her character on this show is like this super hot like high school girl that's dating like a super dweeby guy (laughs) and the whole family is like why is she with him like she is so funny on that show and that's kind of what made me think of her is she can be the absolutely gorgeous like Mm -hmm. of course everybody would love her kind of thing and she can also be like kind of off the wall and really really funny right um but yeah i picked hunter king she would be great i don't know her but that she sounds like she'd be perfect yeah i look up life in pieces i'm sure it's streaming somewhere because it was really hilarious (laughs) i'm sad like abc family or something um, I think it was CBS. Oh. It was one of the big potato potato. <laughs> right? It was one of the big, uh, like the big four networks. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure it was CBS, but Tom Hanks son was in it too. He was also very oh, funny. I love Colin Hanks. Yeah. He was good. Who was yours? Look man. It up. So my first inclination was to go with like a younger Zoe Deschanel, but mm. then I thought about Miranda Cosgrove. Oh yeah, she has the same vibe as Vanessa Hudgens. Very I'd say. similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just like from her on iCarly, especially that sort of like again, yeah. she's super cute, she's fun, she's attractive, but she's hilarious and doesn't yeah. mind like humiliating herself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think ultimately I would end up with Miranda Cosgrove for for my melody. Yeah. What about beat beat? Okay, I'm super excited because I. I don't like being able to see Mindy's notes, but I just saw them and we fucking picked the same person for me. Are you kidding me? (gasps) Yes. Okay. So it's Robert Buckley who plays major on iZombie. He's sweet. He is a tall glass of water. He is so fucking buff. He loves her unconditionally. He's got the boy next door vibe. Like, oh, he is so pretty. Yes. So pretty. That's exactly why I picked him. I mean, you really hit every point he's just got that sweet smirky thing going for him he and does like you said he's a boy next door but you can totally tell he has a nasty side to him too <laughs> he'd be nasty he'd be nasty <laughs> well but I, he would not yell i'm coming no no he wouldn't <laughs> i'm pretty sure beat didn't yell it <laughs> i think he did well they didn't die on that hill <laughs> the uh, well, I went a different, dir- uh, not a different direction. I just picked somebody who wasn't Robert Buckley. Um, I picked Aaron Taylor Johnson, but with short hair. What's he in? He was just in, oh gosh, he was in one of the Marvel movies, the Scarlet Witch's brother. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah him with short hair, but yeah, the buffness and you know, cause the whole like box jumping scene that Robert Buckley could totally do. Well, yeah, 100%, he definitely could pull yeah. that off. But he could also do the brooding like i've got a dark secret you know kind of side of beat um major is a serial killer so yeah there's no darker secret than that i mean like spoiler alert for i zombie it's not a competition (laughs) it's just our fan cast it it is i'm just kidding so did you guys do any fan cast for octavia i did i did too okay who is it whitney i said robin wright Oh yeah, I can I see like that. She, well, she can do anything, <laughs> but she can very much do the classy, like buttoned up. I'm a, I'm a serious, elegant, you know, philanthropist or something. But she can also do the like, I'm gonna scream and cuss you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a la you know, House of Cards. <laughs> I just, I think she would be perfect for that kind of role. For all the same reasons, I picked Jane Fonda. Oh, oh yeah, I can yeah. see that. Have you ever seen her in Monster-in-Law? Oh, it is yeah. so yeah. 
funny. Yeah. She's hilarious and she's super classy and she doesn't take any shit from anyone. And can't yeah. you see her riding in on a swan throne? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, man? This one was like super easy for me and I just had so many. I, I first went to Diane Keaton. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also thought about Emma Thompson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh yeah. Like any of Ooh. those women. Could, I like same Michelle reasons Pfeiffer. as you guys like yeah. could pull off both sides. I mean, Octavia is just so multi-layered yeah. and I think any of any of them and really any of them that you picked could totally pull her yeah. off. We had good choices. We did have good choices for that. <laughs> did either of you do Danielle? I did. I did not. I did Danielle and Joseph. Ooh. Ooh, I did not do Joseph. Who'd you do for Danielle, Mindy? So for Danielle, I originally thought Margot Robbie, but then because I think when I look at Joseph and Danielle, I kind of think of them as Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. Ooh. Oh, that's nice. I like yeah. that. So I said for Danielle, Isla Fisher, oh, because yeah. Oh, yeah. she has that little bit of like, get your shit together type of attitude, but yeah. then can be like super sweet yeah. too. Because my initial thought was Parker Posey, but she doesn't have, <laughs> Parker Posey would never be like, sure, we'll turn the cameras off for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. Whenever I think of Parker Posey, I think about her in New girl when he's like how old are you she says 27 and then like makes mean faces at him and he's like oh oh, okay Okay. perfect (laughs) oh that's funny who is your joseph mindy ryan reynolds oh ryan reynolds that's right you said that um did you guys fan cast trish you mean trina trina i did (laughs) i did too Or Trish, whatever you want to call her. Did you guys fan cast Trina? (laughs) Who did you fan cast for Trish slash Trina? Well, I did write down Trish. (laughs) (laughs) But I said Winona Ryder. I thought she would be really good in the like new age, hippy dippy, like kind of flighty and then come back and be like, yes, I sucked. I get it. Like, let me try to make this better. You know, mine's a little bit more obvious. It's Chrissy Hind. Oh, the yeah. lead singer of the Pretenders. Oh. God, I didn't even think about going to like rockers. Yeah, like she. I mean, I mean, one hundred percent kind of exudes Trina yeah. Yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought Stevie Nicks, and then I was like, well, no, I can't t- talk about her again. <laughs> sure, you can. <laughs> Who was yours, Mindy? Well, I went with Helena Bonham Carter because she oh. just has, like you said, like that Stevie Nicks gypsy quality. Yeah. But now that I'm thinking about, it, like, I could see Joan Jett. Now that you've brought, I almost brought up Chris yeah. 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 So and I almost texted you guys this morning. Maybe this could be my nerdiest thing. I had slept with my hair up in a messy bun. And you know how um, in Harry Potter and like the one where Sirius dies and she's like got her wand and her hair's all fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. and it's to the, like it's essentially a side ponytail, yeah. but it's curly. That's what my hair looked like this oh morning. And I almost texted you guys and I'm like, what's the death curse? Avada Kavada! <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, did you guys fan cast anybody else? I did Fletcher. I did too. Did well, you I've Fletcher? thought of one since then. Okay, so, so Mindy, who did you fan cast? I, now, like, I just really quickly in my mind, I'm like, what do I think he looks like? And so I totally went Steve Buscemi. <laughs> 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 like, now that's like all I can picture him looking like. Oh, oh good lord. Well, who was yours? <laughs> I said David Crosby. And he's a, he is from Crosby Crosby and Nash. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, I see that. (laughs) That's who I pictured the whole time. So mine was Tommy Lee. Oh, Oh. he's a little sleazy. You know, he fucked everybody. (laughs) 
like he definitely broke up some bands you know he yeah. did yeah so again he, i got a little more literal but he could definitely pull off the like i'm gonna be sleazy and black i'm gonna black you, for sure he, yeah he 100%. could totally pull that off yeah. i mean no offense to him but. i mean didn't his dick like talk to him and stuff wasn't that like the thing that came out in that movie oh, I, I mean God. they did that in those miniseries but i don't know if that is from his book or something? I, I don't know. We'd have to ask the producer of the podcast. If you could let us know. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you know he knows the answer to that. <laughs> he does know the answer to that. Oh, man. Was there anything else, fan cast or otherwise, that you guys wanted to talk about? No, this was this really book? fun. Yeah, this it was, was fun. really fun. It was a good choice. Good job. Thank you, Deb, for this choice. You are this was you. So it was a welcome. nice, light this was choice to go after Midnight Mass. I know, right? Yeah. Like it was, yeah. We needed a little pick-me-up. Yeah. So what about nerdiest thing of the week? Who wants to go first? I'll go first because speaking of Midnight Mass, <laughs> I so I came across this article that was like all the people that have been in all of Mike Flanagan's things. I read that same article. And so it got me wanting to watch Follow the House of Usher, which I have I'm not done yet, but I've completely like immersed I it. myself in. It's so, so good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like definitely like binging. I've been What's it about? So it's actually based on the Edgar Allan Poe story, Fall of the House of Usher, mm -hmm. but it's more intertwining a lot of his other short stories. And it's Mike Flanagan? Mm -hmm. Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. It's on okay. Netflix, yeah. yeah, it's eight episodes. And so each one, so there's like these two siblings that have created this like pharmaceutical empire, basically. And they have, well, the, the guy has six kids, some by a lot from one mom and then like the others are from totally different moms and so um and they each get like uh, a piece of the you know business or whatever to run with or they get money to like go on a project so they all have these like terrible like personalities <laughs> but it's really interesting like stuff starts happening and uh there's a, sort of a supernatural element to it because there almost always is with Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan yeah. yeah and it's just really intriguing is it as creepy as his other things I wouldn't say it's creepy like Midnight Mass. It's more psychologically thrilling. I like that. It's it's definitely more, it's more rooted in you know real people things that could really happen, mm -hmm. and it can be it's gruesome. Like some of the stuff is gruesome, like he has, but it's 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 a mind fuck kind of. Okay, which cool. I get into for some reason. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, it's really really good. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. Deb, what was your nerdiest thing? So I actually did a book swap, and I'll, I'll link the group in the show notes. It's through Instagram. It's these three bookstagrammers that do book swaps a couple times a year. And so, like, you fill out a little Google form. They pair you with someone. They actually paired me with someone in Kentucky. Oh, cool. And she was out of town. Otherwise, we were going to, like, meet up and swap boxes. But she actually got me a signed book of Wreck the Halls from Tessa Bailey. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that amazing? Nice. So she got me Ice Planet Barbarians, which I've been dying to read <laughs> and then she got me a signed copy of this she sent me coffee little bookmarks it was a really really sweet little package nice. i loved awesome. it a lot and i wrote her and i was like i didn't get anything signed for you i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> she's like she said no tessa just happened to be in town and she saw that we were going to be covering this and so she went and oh, got a signed copy for cool. me i thought it was really sweet shout out to michaela yeah that's awesome way to go michaela well, I have a couple. So when we were at Lust in the Low Country, 
I entered a giveaway and actually ended up winning. So I got a really cool box from L rivers that we're going to post on um, our social. It'll be up on our social media at this point. Cool. But it's super cute. Basically like everything you need for a cozy read. So she sent me one of her books and I had a like quilted blanket that's book themed made. And this really, really pretty porcelain, teapots with like the built-in teacup and saucer nice and a scented candle that's called library shout out to l rivers it's really 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 cool um (laughs) i went to london last week and just got back a few days ago and we had a lot of nerdy things (laughs) just I basically like kind of didn't really sleep either on the way there or the way back and just read instead. I read like five books. While I was gone. <laughs> um, went to Waterstones bookstore and found a couple of cool things. And um, my big nerdy thing was two nerdy things. I tried to get tickets to Kensington Palace and ended up buying them on the wrong day. Oh, um, I've done that. And that was a big bummer, but that's okay. And, um, Westminster Abbey was my real big nerdy thing, like looking at all the different tombs and they have like a poet's corner where a bunch of uh, poets are buried entombed. It feels weird to say that, but I mean, that's pretty much <laughs> yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's where they but, lie for lay to rest. Yeah. And like Queen Elizabeth, the first tomb is there. And that was really cool. Like we spent hours at Westminster Abbey. Wow. Hours. Um, but it was really fun. We did all the touristy things and it was a really good trip. So London is my favorite city on the planet. It's, it was amazing too, for sure. It's a clean New York with hotter guys. Well, I don't think I saw hotter guys. You weren't. You were in the touristy areas. That's I why was in the touristy <laughs> you were areas. all the dirty Americans were. Exactly. 100%. I, you know, I called my husband. Um, I talked about this on the podcast last season, but I did a big trip by myself, like twelve days in the spring, and I called my husband. I had a layover in Lisbon to come back to the U.S., and I called him, and I'm like the only rude people I've encountered in 12 days have been Americans. Yeah. I mean, I, it just, I, I think I was born on the wrong continent. I say yeah. it all the time. I was made to drink during the day. <laughs> I I am okay with having a gin and tonic at lunch. And I, I think honestly, because I'm, I'm a little bit more quiet whenever I'm like doing things out in public, I just fit in better. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, when I got to Lisbon, I was like, all of you Americans need to get the fuck off me and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it got very loud all of a sudden where I was. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was a good trip and it was really fun. So, um, so that We're is glad it. you're back. Though. Oh, thanks. We missed you. That is it for this week. Next week, we're going to have two episodes for you guys. We have an interview with author Whitney Dean and then we will be releasing A Court of Frost and Starlight on Winter Solstice. Bye. Bye. Like what you heard in this episode? Follow Our Nerdiest Thing on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash Our Nerdiest Thing or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Our Nerdiest Thing. We love hearing from fellow nerds. Email us at ournerdiestthing at gmail.com.